Welcome to the Conceive Baby Podcast. My name's Tasha Jennings, fertility naturopath and nutritionist. In each episode, I share with you my best fertility tips and introduce you to world-leading fertility experts to help you improve your fertility well-being to create your healthy pregnancy. Welcome to today's episode of the Conceive Baby podcast. My name's Tasha Jennings, fertility naturopath and nutritionist. And today we will be talking about a topic which you may not generally associate with fertility, and that's music, specifically music therapy and its use in fertility and gynecological procedures. To delve further into this topic today, I'm speaking with IVF and fertility specialist, Dr. Natasha Andriatis. Dr. Andriatis is an experienced gynecologist and fertility specialist. She is a certified reproductive endocrinologist and infertility subspecialist, CREI. She also holds a master's degree in human reproduction and genetics from the University of Sydney. Dr. Andriatis has a strong, holistic and integrative approach to health and fertility and looks into the impact of nutrition, lifestyle and environment on reproductive health, as well as working with complementary health practitioners to provide well-rounded care for her patients. Natasha is committed to sharing her knowledge, which she fulfills by teaching as a clinical lecturer at the University of New South Wales Reproductive Master's Program. Her current research interests are in music therapy, looking at how music can help reduce anxiety related to gynecological and fertility procedures. She recently presented her findings at the Fertility Society of Australia National Conference and has generously taken the time out of her busy schedule to share her insights with us today. So welcome, Tash. Okay, so Tash, how did you come to specialise in infertility and reproductive health? Uh, After a long course of painful, hard medical training. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, apparently I wanted to be a gynaecologist from the days of high school, I have a lot of uh, yeah. my high school mates telling me that um, I used to talk about being a gynecologist back in high school. Wow. Um, I mean, I always wanted to be a doctor and that's all I remember ever wanting to do. Uh, but it is interesting, yeah, how one evolves. I, uh, I remember distinctly having a, an interest in sexual health and I always thought I'd be a sexual, yeah. a sexual health specialist, doctor or nurse or something. Um, and you know, gynecology is, is, is full of a lot of sexual health. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously went to university and medical school and then started training at RPA in Sydney. And yeah, I just found that, um, in my internship days in emergency, in the emergency department, whenever a woman used to come in, uh, with bleeding, if she was miscarrying, I always put my mm-hmm. hand up for that patient. I was like, I want to see that. I want to see her. Yeah. And a lot of people would be very grateful because a lot of people didn't want to see the woman coming in with a miscarriage, but yeah. I always wanted that. I always wanted to see them. So then 
it was just a natural progression to then getting onto the ONG training program. And uh, that was uh, at least a 10 year training program that also involved subspecialty training in reproductive medicine. And I realized I wanted to do reproductive medicine because it's just so, so interesting and it's um, mm. always changing and there's always a lot of science behind it. And uh, the hours are pretty good. I feel it's a kind of, I like the lifestyle associated with it. Um, I really didn't like obstetrics towards the end. I found it quite stressful mm. um, and I always found it a lot more interesting and creative helping make babies rather than deliver them. Mind you, I think yeah, obstetricians are very important and um, I had off to them, but uh, I, I, yeah, that's, that's pretty much how I got to ONG and, and reproductive medicine. And I work yeah. with City Fertility. At the moment, I work with them. They're a great fertility company um, that's kind of Australia-wide. They've got a lot of clinics. And other one, the one clinic I'm associated with in, um, in Sydney is the one located at Circular Key. Uh, it's a beautiful clinic and uh, there's a strong LGBT community focus there, mm. um, which is great. So that's where I'm at at the moment. Exciting. Oh, I love that. And I love seeing your posts on Insta of the Sydney Harbour Bridge and we we're yeah. just saying how Melbourne, Sydney, Sydney really yeah. has the wow factor. <laughs> so you do a beautiful clinic up there. And look, I agree with your passion for helping people fall pregnant. It's such a, a special thing um, and certainly an interesting field and evolving, obviously. And, and you've really developed an interest in really integrative care so looking at obviously nutrition and lifestyle factors and you're very holistic in your approach tell us I guess how that evolved for your obviously medical training and then and then to look at these holistic approach as well yeah I always find it interesting that people are surprised that there's a doctor like me who looks at all of that I agree yes yeah (laughs) I would think that that would be standard maybe because I emphasize it so much um I mean, obviously, when a patient comes to see me, I don't want to know just, the, the, I don't go straight into their periods. You know, if it, yeah. I ask about what they do for work. I look yeah. at their sleep. I look at their stress levels, how much exercise they're doing, their hobbies, um, who they live with. I like to know the whole person mm. because then that will impact somehow on how we manage their problem. Sure. Uh, so. I find it a, a better way of managing patients. I find it more satisfying as a doctor to manage my patients like that. Um, I find it a softer approach. And certainly that's how I'd want to be assessed if I was seeing a doctor. I'd want them to look at everything, not just the primary focus, which would be a, maybe a painful period, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. For me, it's just the only way to practice medicine. I don't really know any differently. I mean, certainly through my training well, you know, I think in just the exposure you get, you develop certain ways of practicing as a doctor, but the holistic approach was never encouraged. Mm. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I try and encourage your future doctors that I teach to manage patients in a holistic way. 
you know. And I think it is becoming more of the way to go, um, particularly with reproductive health. It's not, yeah, just about, you know, a set of blood tests. It is the whole person that's sitting in front of you with those reproductive issues. So I love your approach, um, obviously. And looking at that holistic approach, you've really now delved into, I guess, an area that we wouldn't yeah, normally associate it with, with reproduction, and that's it's music. So tell us a bit more about music therapy. I know you presented recently um, at the Fertility Conference. So tell us more, more about your research into this area. Uh, yeah, look, it was, again, one of those things that evolves. I remember in 2016 I... Um, was learning how to play the electric guitar as a hobby and I was down at Cronulla Beach in Sydney and one day I just thought to myself as I was looking out at the beach I wonder how I could use music in my day-to-day medical practice Mm. and um, I started doing some googling and uh, discovered that there are certain people called music therapists that actually are qualified professionals that help uh, people manage medical issues through music therapy. Where did I start? How did it start? So in 2016, I was uh, learning how to play the electric guitar and I was obsessed with music. I've always been obsessed with music, but, you know, by not by by no means am I a musician. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was down at Cronulla Beach contemplating life, thinking oh, I'm really enjoying learning how to play the guitar uh, how could I incorporate this into my work? Because obviously work is a big part of my life. Mm. Can I combine things together? Uh, and I started Googling music, music therapy, and I did come across, um, you know, certain articles and information about music therapists. And music therapists are professionals. They're qualified professionals. Uh, they're musicians who go to university. There's one master's degree in Melbourne. I think it's RMIT and one uh, master's degree in Sydney, two years degree. And uh, the, one at, the one at Sydney, Univer- at, sorry, the Western Sydney University, uh, the music therapists have to not only be musicians, but they have to know how to play piano, guitar. And there are certain things that they need to be able to do to become music therapists. Um, I ended up connecting with a lovely woman who's a music therapist and senior lecturer at the Western Sydney University called Dr. Alison Short. And I just reached out to her and uh, we met up and she said to me, okay, so what are you interested in, 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 in doing with music therapy? And I said, and using it in some way to help manage women's uh, anxiety. And she said, well, I, interestingly, there isn't enough information about anxiety and, and, mm. and um, music therapy, particularly when it comes to women, gynecology and infertility. Uh, a couple of years later, I heard back from her and she said, oh, I've got some money for research and uh, we uh, can also um, take on board a, a research assistant. And I was really happy by it because I, I've never yeah. worked, I've never had my own research assistant and mm. um, they are worth, God, you can't even put a price tag next to them. Um, and my music therapy uh, research assistant is Gina Chung, and she's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically we got together through a, an ethics approval through the Western Sydney University. And um, a part of that application was explaining that one in six Australian couples experience infertility and anxiety is more common in women, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, women worry about the future 
um, particularly women who are infertile, are, 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 are concerned about treatment um, and process of IVF, the nature of procedures, examinations, they're concerned around invasiveness of the procedures, uncertainty about what to expect, they're exposing parts of their body and there's the, the whole waiting game around it. Will I fall pregnant? And if so, when? Um, and it's so important that this anxiety is addressed. Yeah. And, uh, and it's also about improving the patient experience. I mean, we know people will go through fertility treatment for years before they potentially conceive. But it mm. wasn't about just about um, infertility I examined. I also, we looked at patients who were having pap smears and IUDs inserted in my rooms. Um, but before we talk about that, I suppose one basic kind of example of how music is used in medicine is an MRI. And I haven't personally had an MRI, but I know many people who have. And when people go into an MRI machine, uh, they are often given the option of listening to music to distract them from those loud banging noises. And it can be a very claustrophobic experience for people, um, the MRI machine, particularly for kids. So uh, we know that music is known to be effective in distracting worries and concerns and it allows us to relax. Mm. And it's also responsible for mood altering chemicals in the brain. So there's a lot of research in, uh, in music therapy, which is why it's an established profession. So our collaborative approach project looked at uses of music and music therapy by therapy for women attending a fertility specialist, IME. And we specifically examined the effects of music listening on anxiety before and during gynecology fertility procedures. Um, and pretty much what it involved was a question, you know, can music help reduce anxiety during fertility procedures and treatment? Mm. And the exciting thing for us was that it's actually the first um, Australian study to look at this very topic. Um, and our manuscript for publication is in progress. I've just presented our, our small amount of data at the recent Fertility Society of Australia. Um, did you end up going to FSA? I wasn't at FSA this year, no, but um, I was, yeah, I heard about you that you're presenting. So exciting. Yeah. So yeah. it was great to present after a couple of years of not being in an, a, a room with a lot of other like-minded professionals. Yes. Yeah. But um, the way that our study ran was that um, anyone attending my office who was going to have day surgery or going to a fertility clinic for procedures, they were invited into the study. And if they said, yeah, I'm keen, then we would um, get them to complete a questionnaire. And the questionnaire asked them questions like, what kind of music or what kind of medication do you use for, to manage anxiety if you're taking meds for anxiety? What type of procedure are we going to do for you? What's your level of worry about the procedure? What are your factors of concerns? And generally, what are your music listening habits? So what kind of music do you generally like to listen to? What are your preferences? And the procedures that I performed were anything from IUD insertion, removal, hysteroscopy, pap smear, removing a polyp at the time of hysteroscopy, intrauterine insemination, egg retrieval, and embryo transfer. And uh, the way it would run was on the day of the procedure, in the waiting area um, stage of, uh, of, of, their, of their procedure, what they would do is they would fill out an anxiety questionnaire and we would again get their anxiety scores based on that questionnaire. Then we'd give them this thing called a music star, which is a, um, 
a Danish invention and it plays self-selected music. It's on an iPad and patients get to select from, I think, about 14 different types of music. They would ideally listen to that music for at least 20 minutes on, on uh, headphones. And um, then after, immediately after they've listened to the music, we would then get them to complete another anxiety questionnaire, the same questionnaire. Uh, and that way we could actually compare anxiety scores before music and then after music. And then after that, that last questionnaire, we get them to do the procedure. So I do the IUD insertion or they'd have their egg collection or their hysteroscopy. Then the next day, I would um, call them and, and ask them, you know, my typical, which is how are you going? How, how are you feeling today? But on top of that, I'd ask them to let me know what types of music did they select? Uh, what was their perceived impact of music to induce relaxation? What was their perceived impact of music to relieve worry? And would they recommend music listening to a friend? So all in all, we had about 44 participants, but only used 41 sets of data because only 41 sets of data were complete. The mean age was about 35 years of age, and my age range is anywhere between 18 to 72. Mm -hmm. um, the baseline anxiety scores were much higher than um, after they'd listened to the music. So it was very obvious to us and our statistician that music really makes a difference. Even that 20 mm -hmm. minutes of music therapy, of music listening, and 100% of women would actually recommend listening to music before procedures to their friends. And, um, you know. Wow, that says something. That's, that's a pretty high yeah, statistic. That's right. So mm. there is a role in music for distracting us, distracting our attention and focus and assisting us in relaxing and calming us. And um, it's a really creative way of doing that. Some comments from patients was it, it, were, it was distracting, calming and pleasant. It helps slow the brain and stop overthinking. Uh, one person said that soundscapes are particularly good as they can transport you to another place and help slow the breathing. So yeah. um, one interesting thing that I found, though, in the study was that there was one patient who was having an embryo transfer. And as you may know, uh, when people are waiting for an embryo transfer, their bladder needs to be full because we need to use an ultrasound to be able to dot, to look at that uterus, to be able to localize the uterus and then try and target that embryo transfer to an exact point in the uterus itself to maximize mm. pregnancy rate. So there's good evidence that ultrasound guided embryo transfers um, are much more likely to lead to a positive pregnancy test and baby than uh, one done under the sign of kind of the non-touch, the kind of what we call the touch technique. Yeah. But anyway, going back to that, she was listening to music that had a lot of water sounds and she got very uncomfortable when she was listening to this music and she felt she couldn't go to the toilet. And so she kind of put up with listening to the sounds of the water and got quite anxious, actually. It worked the opposite for this woman. She got very anxious and uncomfortable. So for her, it wasn't a positive um, so, so much of a positive thing because of the kind of music that she was listening to. But so, interesting, the impact of the music, like, you know, that just shows how impactful it was, although it wasn't a good impact in her. Just the yeah. sound of that water obviously That's triggered right. those feelings. So yeah. it just shows how interlinked they are with our feelings and emotions. That's right. You know, the sound of water running makes a lot of people want to, want to go to the loo to, to pass urine. So Yeah. Yeah. Um, so general music preferences, we found a lot of people, and again, this might be depending on the age of the patients, but um, pop music was most popular and hip-hop. 
Uh, and then when it came to music for relaxation, overwhelmingly classical music is people is what they ch- mostly choose. Mm. Um, you know, so the kind of music that's relaxing is generally slow tempo music at 60 to 80 beats per minute. So we know when someone is relaxed, their heart rate will be 60 to 80 beats per minute. Some people are less than that. Um, And you want uncomplicated and repetitive rhythms. You want what we call a consistent dynamic range that's moderate in volume, no more than five instruments in ensemble works and generally non-lyrical. And these parameters all together have the capacity to decrease this sympathetic nervous system activity, which we know is the kind of fight flight react system. Uh, mm. So we know that from the from our research that music therapy can work in in reducing anxiety in women as they wait for a procedure. It's fun, it's safe, it's non-pharmacological. And um, what we would say is that say for you tomorrow, Tash, if you were going to go and, and wait for a hysteroscopy procedure, whilst you're waiting, wait, you know, listening to music, listen to music that you um, have chosen prior to going in, make a little um, music list. Make sure you take with yourself, with you noise cancelling headphones because you don't want to hear, you know, the noises of machines going off, you know, screaming babies, you know, this Mm. hospitals can be very noisy places. So noise cancelling headphones are the, the best ones to use. Try and do this for, you know, a minimum of 20 minutes, but ideally 30 minutes. And you want to use a device that minimizes distraction. So if you're going to be on your your iPhone, maybe put it on, um, is it airplane mode? Airplane mode to shut off the Wi-Fi. Yeah, to to basically stop the pings and the notifications coming in. Yeah. And so... Yeah, that, that was the result of, of our study. And so for me, it, it really has changed my practice. So now when I do an IVF procedure or an embryo transfer or an IUI, I ask my patients, what music do you want to listen to? And a lot of patients are like, oh, I'd like to listen to this song or this artist. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and we put that on as soon as they come into the room. And it's great because from, from my perspective, I like listening to new music and often people um, will let you know about music you've never heard of before. And the Mm. other day I had uh, um, a couple come in and they wanted Lizzo to be playing. And uh, I'd never heard this Lizzo song before. It was a great song. And the song was called Juice. That's right, Juice. And we were doing an intrauterine insemination. We just had a bit of a giggle about how that song was appropriate for what we were doing. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so... You know, at City Fertility in our clinic, we have um, in the procedure room, we have a Spotify account and we've got music playing all the time. Yeah. But it's about yeah. making it centric for the patients. Um, and what other things have we done as part of the study? So we also ran some group therapy sessions and this is really what we want to work on in future uh, where we've, and it was during COVID, we were doing mainly all of this and we would do these music therapy sessions online and um, they, the, you know, the, the patients would be working with a couple of music therapists. They were listening. They were discussing music, lyrics, uh, instruments. They were using percussion. And, um, again, there were some surveys and questionnaires done, done as part of that in seeing how 
these patients could better cope, could help reduce their stress and even make decisions and help them enjoy life more um, with an awareness of what music could, could involve um, and how they could even involve their partners um, in, in that process. So uh, that's the focus for our future projects. Um, and ideally now that, I, don't, I wouldn't say COVID's lifted, but it's kind of pivoted somewhat, yeah. um, getting women together in a room where they do more on music therapy. Uh, yeah. I feel that, and you probably would agree with this, that group sessions tend to have a different energy about them than something on an, an online forum. Uh, yes. Yeah. We haven't been able to experience that for a couple of years, but there is something about people's energies that you can feel in a different way when they're in the room with you. And yeah. I, I love the way you're looking at the woman as a whole, obviously, and that anxiety is a part of this process. Um, I know I see a lot of patients who say, I know I shouldn't be feel this, I know I shouldn't feel that. I'm like, take should out of the equation. You feel how you feel. Let's work out how to best work with that and support you through it. So, and music, as you said, such a simple thing that we may overlook, but non-pharmological, really inexpensive, and, you know, 100% of people would recommend it to someone else because mm -hmm. they, they found it, you know, useful. So what great recommendation. Yeah, I remember this one patient who um, I'd invited into the study and she said, no, I'm not really interested. I just don't like music. And I just remember being so shocked. I'm like, who doesn't like music? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, most yeah, people I mean would be receptive to it. I think most people would. I mean, I know I, I love music, so I probably am with you. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to understand people who don't. But obviously for people who do, they're going to such a simple thing that they could do through their procedure. Look, sometimes, you know, it is a long journey in some cases. So what can we do to support someone through this journey? And if this is a simple thing that obviously the clinician can be involved and obviously, as you've said, those wonderful tips for people who perhaps aren't attending your awesome clinic with those facilities can do for themselves with perhaps, you know, just a Spotify playlist and some noise-cancelling headphones to help them with that process themselves. Yeah, and I think um, for clinicians to be aware of this as well, you know, I think patients might find it a lot more uh, beneficial to listen to music pre-procedure rather than sitting there scrolling on their phones, which is what a lot of people tend to do these days. Mm. And uh, I suppose it depends on also what you're scrolling through. We know that people who scroll and uh, are exposed to a lot of negative news, um, yeah, their anxiety is going to go up. Yeah. So, Maybe avoid yeah. the news if you're going through any <laughs> procedures. But yep, scrolling on the phone is pretty standard these days. And, yeah, and it's the blue light. It's that, um, yeah, I, obviously people before bed, I'm often talking about that, you know, get off your phones. We need the brain to wind down to pause and obviously music's going to do that in a far more effective way than, than scrolling on their phones and often not even really paying attention to what's coming up on the phone because the anxiety is already going. It's just something mm -hmm. to do. So... I love that you're really looking at 
women and how we can best facilitate this reproductive process. And I love that you're sharing this data and obviously with other clinicians and hopefully this is something simple that can be introduced um, more frequently to support patients um, through the process. Now, is there anything, thanks for taking the time out of your very busy schedule, I know, to share this great information with us today. Is there anything you'd like to leave women with who perhaps, you know, have even heard about this for the first time? What would you like to to say to them? Yeah, create your playlist now. Today. <laughs> yeah, well, I think we'll have to put some recommendations up on the show notes here that um, that people, I'm going to look up that one that uh, that you talked about before. So we'll have to put some suggestions up on the, on the show notes. And I'll also put on the show notes where you can get more information uh, from Dr. Tash, um, her website and on Insta as well. Yeah, probably Insta is good to contact me, Dr. Tash Fanny Mechanic. Yeah, uh, my Instagram handle. Um, yeah, thank you. Well, be sure to follow Dr. Tash on Insta. We'll put all the info in the show notes, and I look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks for being with us, Tash. Thanks so much, Tasha. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Conceive Baby Podcast. To help you move forward on your journey to pregnancy. I've created your free fertility checklist for you. This checklist provides simple swaps you can make that can have a significant impact on your chances of conceiving and carrying your healthy baby. So be sure to head to conceivebaby.com.au forward slash checklist to download your free fertility checklist today.